did a good job last week explaining what happened, so I'd like to give you a first-hand report before we actually get started, so that there's, I had, I had one person say, I heard you fell and you've been on complete bed rest, and that's, that wasn't the case, but uh, let me tell you what happened. I was out feeding my animals, we have like chicken pens all kind of in a neat row, and they're all, they're bomb-proof because we've lost so many animals because of raccoons and possums and foxes and things. So we have these lined up. And so I had this, some of you might understand, uh, it's a, it's electrified 46-inch tall um, mesh fence. It's, it's a portable fence. You can set it up for goats or, or chickens or whatever. So but I had stretched it out on the ground and it was just flat on the ground. So I had it stretched out and as I walked over it, it was dusky, dark, and I walked over it and I hung my right toe in one of those, the mesh thing, and I went to move my left, you know, to, it just happened fast. I mean, there's no way to tell you, but I put my left toe, try to go forward to catch myself, and it hung too, and it body slammed me. It was like just body slamming. I'd never, I didn't have time to raise my wrist, my hand, anything. I body slammed into the dirt on this shoulder, and so I've got a torn meniscus here, and I've got an MRI scheduled for the 7th to determine if it's going to require surgery to fix it. So anyway, I told Dan, I said, well, I won't be raising my hands in church as much, but uh, I can, I can kind of do that a little bit. But uh, anyway, don't anybody feel sorry for me because it's, uh, I, I just, it's just part of life and uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just part of life and you just accept it and you just go on and, and you try to do the best you can. And uh, so anyway, so that's the update. We'll find out more on the 7th of uh, February if it's going to require surgery or whatever. I'm praying that it won't if it's a minimal tear. And he said we could rehab it and, and do it that way. So that's kind of my, that's what I'm looking for. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 16. As I've already said, this is intended to be an encouragement. This is intended, although there's going to be some hard things in this message, it's intended to encourage. That's my heart. And, I, and as again, I mentioned this the other day, and I've really had time to think about it. As I've been the one in the pew listening to other preachers get up and preach, and I hear them say things, and I think, oh, I cringe, and, you know, and I think, oh, you know. And uh, so now I'm becoming more and more aware as I speak how difficult it is to speak without people taking it the wrong way or being offended, or, I mean, it's, it's really a challenge. I would challenge anybody to get up here and try to talk for an hour and not offend a bunch of people. I mean, it just, it's pretty, it's pretty challenging. But, but my heart, I'm telling you, my heart about this is to encourage us about the church. And, uh, and that's, that's where, I'm, where, I, where the Lord has led. But this is uh, in Matthew 16, and this is a truth, you know, Dwight, you and I have talked about this in the past, where there are just certain things that God shows you that just really kind of frees you up. Uh, jurisdiction, we've talked about jurisdiction a lot. Jurisdiction has really freed me up. When you have grown kids, you have grandkids, you have 
you know, situation. When you understand jurisdiction, it just frees you up so much so that you're not crossing over the line and taking on things or responsibilities that are not yours. God has it designed that way. And it really, it really makes things better for everyone involved. If you can understand that that's not in my jurisdiction, that's not in my area, that's not, I can think about it and I can certainly have ideas about it. And most of all, I can pray about it, but I don't need to cross the line and interfere in somebody else's jurisdiction. So that's, that's a, one truth that God taught me several years ago, and it's just been one that frees you up so much. It just helps you, especially with grown kids and family. Just love them so much. But none of us would do the same things that our kids are doing. And even if I had it to do over again, I would make some changes as I raise my kids. So I think I'd probably be tougher on them than I was. But not really, because I was pretty tough. But this is a section here where uh, in Matthew 16, where Jesus is asking the question, but whom uh, say you that I am? He's asking, who do people say? Who are they saying that I am? And verse 16, and Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's a, that's a powerful, I mean, you know, that's a powerful statement. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. <clears throat> and Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now then, verse 18 is a verse that I want us to just kind of zero in on, and this is where the, the bulk of the message, the, the main part of the message is coming from. And I say also unto thee, Jesus is speaking to, to Peter, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build, and I have this highlighted with a little highlighter in my Bible, a little uh, Beautiful highlighter, like greenish. I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I want to read that again. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you for the power of the word of God. <clears throat> we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy toward all of us. And we are just so thankful to be able to be called children of God because of our faith in your son, the Lord Jesus. And I pray today that this message would be an encouragement this would be a real uh, boost for all of us as we've seen Satan attack and we've seen the, the hurt and, the, and things said. And I just pray that we would be encouraged today, that would be uh, our eyes and our hearts would be focused toward you, that we'd be thinking about you, and that we would let you be in control of our mind, our, our will, our emotions. I just pray that you direct us. Pray for those that might be lost today, that they'd be saved that they would know that it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and 
Faith alone, nothing else can get us to heaven. I just pray now that you would accomplish your will, bring honor and glory to yourself, and uh, we trust you with this message in Jesus' name. Amen. When we came to North Belt in 1986, almost immediately, almost immediately, we encountered several very severe attacks from the enemy. And I, and I can see why from a spiritual perspective and from God's perspective, I can see why, because we were going to do something different here. We were going to have a church that, uh, that respects the family and honors children. We love children and, uh, and just hold up the word of God and, uh, and its perfection and uh, so from the very beginning, there were several vicious assaults. But, you know, our battle's not against flesh and blood. And we all can agree to that. But have you noticed that Satan does have the ability from time to time to use individuals? He does use people sometimes in these vicious attacks. And so <clears throat> this is kind of an amazing story, and I haven't told it many times, but some of you might, if you've been around for a while, you might remember. But there's a nearby Bible church here, and they had a song leader, and so we were in need of a song leader. And so we reached out to this guy, and, and he was interested in coming here, and he was a member over there. But there was one little minor catch. The fellow that was over there, a member of that Bible church over there, was presently at the time we were speaking with him under church discipline. Now, some of you say, Pastor, I can't believe you even went another step further. But what we did is I heard his side of the story and he was, uh, let me tell you, he was under church discipline for sowing seed of discord against the pastor. And they, they were following Matthew 18. I mean, they were going to church him. And so we heard his side of the story, and then we went over and met with their elders. They actually had elders. So we went over there and met with them, and we all agreed that we would give it a try. And he came and he led the singing. And in about a year or so, 12 months or so, all of a sudden I looked up and he was doing the same thing against me that he did to the pastor over there. And folks, I'm going to tell you, this was so vicious that he was sending out letters. Get, I mean, can you imagine? He was sending out letters to the congregation opposing me and against me, and he it's documented, he mailed letters to members of the congregation against me as the pastor. So I can't even remember all the details, but somehow he ended up, you know, we confronted him, and he ended up leaving, and so he, he was gone. But sowing seeds of discord is such a serious, serious matter. Um. It wasn't that long after they left that we found out he was having family problems with his wife. Uh, his wife actually one day called Linda 
And she was in hiding, if you can imagine, she was in hiding in fear of her life, afraid of her husband. And this was the same guy that had stirred up trouble in that church and in this church and was attacking me. And so Linda and Julie were on a flight, an airline flight to New Zealand with uh, the Institute. And Bill Gothard, Mr. Gothard, came and sat down on the plane close to them and, and said to Linda, she said, he said, do you happen to know, and he, he said his name. She said, yeah, he's been our song, he's our song leader. And he said, well, he's written me a letter about your husband. And he said, I don't think he likes him very much. And she said, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the... But can you imagine that he thought I was so in, close to Bill Gothard to write Bill Gothard letter, hoping I'd get in trouble with Bill Gothard? So, <clears throat> he left and he took two or three families with him when they left. Now, that we're talking you know, the first couple of years, three years, or whatever it was, uh, with the church. And, and what I'm, I'm, again, I'm trying to emphasize, I want you to see the encouragement part, but I'm, have, I'm reporting to you facts that have happened so you can understand the gravity and how, how strong this is. He apparently divorced his wife and was in a lot of, lot of trouble. And the families that left, as far as we've been told, every single one of them have been divorced. And their families are shipwrecked. And then there was another man that was here and when we had this building, he was here and he sat out in my office and he was telling me all the things that he didn't like about the platform policy and the wedding policy. And, and he didn't like all that, you know. And, and so now his family, he's divorced. His family's a wreck. And what I'm trying to say to you is God takes very seriously things about his church. Because as I read the scripture, the Bible says, God's saying, this is my church. This is my church. And you know, I've pastored little country churches. I've pastored five churches. And I've pastored three, two of them that were actually out in the country. Then I pastored Second Baptist Highlands. And in every one of these other churches, there has been, and some of you will uh, understand this terminology, a power struggle, because they, they, were, they voted the congregation. So it was a majority rule. Whoever was in charge, you know, if they could get enough power, get enough votes, then they could control what went on in the church. So it's a power struggle. And so what people don't understand, it's not the deacon's church. And I and I and with all due respect, there are preachers, and I've got some dear friends, and they say this, and I don't I don't hold it against them or think bad of them, 
But they'll say, my church, you know, at my church this or my church that. I just, I'm careful. I don't call North Belt my church. I don't know if you've ever noticed on the sign out here, it says God's church. And that was put out there intentionally because of this verse. This is God's church. The church is God's church. Now, does that mean that we all just sit back in the hammock and sip tea and, and wait on? No, we are laborers, co-laborers together. We serve together. And I'm going to show some verses here in a little bit how, we, how that happens. But we serve together. It doesn't mean that you don't do your part or you don't function in the role that God's called you to function in. But when it comes to the responsibility, when it comes to the care, and I believe personally when it comes to the provision of the church, that's up to God because it's God's church. You know, Ron Dunn, I, I, I loved listening to him years ago, and, and Jack Taylor and some of those folks but Ron Dunn told the story, and I heard him tell this live. It was, I was there in his presence when he shared it. But he said, you know, our church wasn't doing well, and I was in my office, and I was just struggling, and, and I was just crying out to God. And, and uh, he, he was saying, God, the church is in a mess. What are we going to do about my church? I don't know what to do about my church. And, you know, what, what, what am I going to do? I don't know how to fix it. And he said, God led him to this verse. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Ron Dunn said he just reared back in his chair, and he said, are you telling me, God, that it's this, the church is your church and it's not my church? And he said, God said, absolutely, that's what I'm telling you. The church is my church. It's my church. So when things need to be fixed, it's God who's going to take care of it. And I'm confident. And so I share these stories about these families that have, you know, attacked. I say that because I think God has a very strong feeling toward his anointed. And it's not about the personal attacks that have come my way. That's not even it. But it is, you need to be aware that God, it's his church. He's the protector. He's the provider. He's going to take care of his church and he takes care of his anointed. And when his anointed get out of line, if they get out of line, which they do, then God is capable of taking care of it. He's very capable. It's his church. It's his responsibility. It's his, it's his business. And so I, I have found it through the years very freeing, and we do get a little tense at times. We get a little anxious at times when we look at the math, when we look at the figures, when we look at, you know, the attendance. We look and we say, God, what am I going to do to fix this problem? And you know what? It's so freeing for God to say, it's not your problem. It's my church, and I'm very capable of providing and tending my church. And so it's, uh, it's very, very, very critical 
that we understand the, the seriousness that God uh, has about his church, about the protection, about uh, his, his place. You know, at Highlands, you've heard me tell about the man at Highlands. I won't go into all the details, but he was an immoral man. And he was a key in the, in the church. He was a key. He, people liked him. But he was immoral. And people knew. One of, one of the deacons made a statement to me. He said, oh, we don't worry too much about him. My wife can take care of herself. That's what he said. And I was thinking, you know, he better not be too fresh with my wife because my wife's not going to take care of him. I'm going to take care of him. And so that same guy, after he had been wrong with a young 23-year-old woman in our church, he left, he came back from camping, he'd been gone, he took off, and we knew we were wanting to talk to him. He took off, he came back, and then we ended up, I mean, Satan was so shrewd, it was so unbelievable to see how Satan stirred things up. I ended up leaving the church, and it was a mess, it was a mess, and um, he was trimming tree limbs in, in his front yard one day with a little small chainsaw, and he had a heart attack in the top of a tree and took a nosedive out of the tree and was dead when he hit the ground. That same guy. Now, I don't think, I don't think to me, these are not coincidences like, oh, how strange, how odd. You know, that was a well-liked man in the church, and it, it's kind of a... Uh, uh, unlucky thing that he fell out of the tree dead. Now, I don't see it as unlucky thing that he fell out of the tree dead. He had really caused grief in the church and damage to the church. And finally, God said, enough is enough. We're not going to continue to put up with any more of your trash, any more of your immorality, any more of your, your business. And he said, now it's time to take action. And he did. Heart attack, nosedive, dead. And so I don't find these situations as coincidental. But I see it as our Heavenly Father taking full responsibility for His church. And He does not slumber. He does not sleep. He's always watching. He's always looking. He's always caring. And there's nothing, you know, we can have all the meetings we want to about the finances and the projections and all. We can have all that, but none of it catches God by surprise. And none of it is, is it says that, you know, uh, well, God's going to run out of funds. Look, it's God's business. And God is capable of I, I am convinced, I'm so encouraged, I see God raising up, and I see y'all here today. I mean, this is a bad day to be out. Today is a bad day to be out, and a lot of fair-weather Christians would have stayed home today. But I see you here. I see you eager to hear the Word of God. I see you ready to respond, and so many of you are saying it's time for us to step up. It's time for us to to, to do something. And, and we're seeing God do a great work. And, it, and it's not going to end. It's not going to end. I, if God shuts the doors, I don't believe he will. But that's up to him. That's his responsibility, not ours. 
Let me show you in 1 Corinthians another uh, verse that I think kind of goes along. Once you look at chapter 3, 1 Corinthians. And this is about, this is in the, the section here. I'll just go ahead and start at the first verse. It kind of all ties together. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but, uh, but as unto carnal, even as unto babies or babes in Christ. So that's where the Apostle Paul is writing about the, you know, the carnal Christian and the spiritual believers and then the, uh, the ones that are lost and they're just uh, living like mere men. And that's the carnal Christian. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not uh, able to bear it. And neither yet now are you able, for ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as mere men? For one saith, I'm of Paul. And that goes on about, I'm of Paul and I'm of Cephas. For then, uh, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted and Apollos watered. But look at verse 6. I want you to notice this. I have planted... And Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Why does God give? Why does it say God gives the increase? Because it's God's church. It's God's church. God, Paul, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So it's God, I believe, who brings the sheep to the feed, to the, to the food trough. I believe it is God, if the church, if there's an increase in souls, there's increase in numbers, increase in, in giving, I believe it's up to God. And God does it. And and once you can, in fact, uh, Matt Adams sent me a, a, a link to uh, one of John MacArthur's messages um, about, and, and in essence, it said, it's not about programs. It's not about all these plans and ideas about how to grow the church. He, I think the essence was what really grows a church is believers who are willing to respond to the Word of God and their Christ-like character is attractive to those and they will want to come be around people like that. It's the character of God in our lives being demonstrated that people are going to be drawn to. Does that make sense? It's, it's the character of Christ that people see in us and, and he used this illustration in the message. <clears throat> he used the illustration. He said someone, one of the elders, invited this attorney to come and, um, to their church. 
And he said, what church, the, uh, the attorney, what church is it that you are a member of? And he said, well, Grace Community Church. And he said, I think I know an attorney that, that's a member there. He said, he's the biggest crook that I've ever known. He's a cheat. He's a liar. He said, I wouldn't come to your church for any reason whatsoever because so-and-so, and that what, 10,000 members or whatever they have? He said, I wouldn't come to that church because that one lying attorney that's a member there. And he was using that as a point that it's so important that we not try to implement the world's methods of growing a church, the world's methods of programming and making, you know, trying to, to get it to happen through the world's methods and calling it Christianity. But understanding it's God's church, He is the one that gives the increase. And I believe that's whether it's finances or whether it's in, in numbers and people. But it's our part. We are, I, I saw this said, I wonder where we, as we think about it, do you, are you a planter? You know, I planted and Apollos watered. So are you a planter? Are you the one going around to the water bucket? But we all ought to be doing something as far as sowing seeds, dealing with souls and planting the word of God and watering the word of God. All of us have a responsibility to be obedient to God in, in that, that realm. So I have to ask you, when you think about yourself, you know, a lot of people say, well, I just didn't get anything out of the sermon. Well, what are you putting into everything? I mean, what? What are you doing? What are you putting in to the life of the church? And my wife has, has been real. She said, I, every time the word of God is opened, I get something out of it. Every time the word of God is opened, I get something out of it. So I encourage you, do you plant or do you water? But we all ought to be doing something, our responsibility, our part, our function in the body of Christ, and God then is responsible for the increase. Why? Because it's His church. Now let me just mention something about church membership. Let me just say something about church membership. I think that God is serious about His church. I think He's very serious about His anointed and he takes all that very seriously. But I personally believe God takes church membership very seriously. And in my experience, what I think, and this is just my freedom of speech, my, my thoughts, I see a lot of people treating church membership a lot like they would membership in the local club. Because like if... You know, if things don't go my way, then I'll just, I'll just go down the street. And if things don't go the way I want, then I'll just go down the street. Now, I personally believe that God calls every one of us to serve. He's put a calling on our lives. I mean, I, was, I believe I was called. 
And he hasn't called me away. But I believe every one of you, if you've come, you've been called. And I believe you're called to, to serve until God calls you away. This idea that, well, I'm just flippantly going to change my membership or flippantly do, I don't think it should be flippant. I don't think it should be that casual. I don't think it should be like a local club or a sorority. I don't think it should be like that. I think church membership is a very serious thing to God. And granted, we all came from somewhere, and there is totally within God's realm of He can pick you up and move you to another assignment. That happens. It's happened in the past. It'll happen in the future. But to just over whatever thing you come up with in your mind, or things don't go the way you like, or whatever. I think it's something to take very seriously about I was called here by God, and when I leave, I can look everyone in the face and say, I believe I was called away by God. I was called here by God, and if I leave, I was called away by God. And it's not this idea that, well, I just got my feelings hurt and, you know, they didn't uh, shake my hand or whatever, so I'm just going to leave. It's not like that. So our, our membership, our church membership is really, really um, important. So I think either God is leading us to be a part and leading us to stay. If he leads you away, if God calls you away, that's between you and the Lord, and we accept that. But don't, I would, I would hesitate. I would be very concerned if my leaving was because I was being driven away by the devil. I think God calls you, but if you're driven away by the devil, I would be concerned about that. I'd be very concerned that, that I, I left my place of service, my, my calling, because I was driven away by the devil. And so here we know this for a fact. Attacks are going to come. And I think, I think in the church in America, the attack, and by the way, I haven't listened to all these, but there are some powerful, John MacArthur has some great, great messages that are out there, and I'm going to try to listen to some of them, about uh, uh, the depraved mind. And as I see that, and I, I think about the depraved, the depravity of man, the, the depraved mind, this is what a nation looks like when God has turned you over to a depraved mind. And I see, I see so much of the thinking. I see so much of the issue about, you know, gender. I see so much about all the, this is, this, he, I think, I, and again, I haven't listened to all of it, but just a little clips, but it sounds like to me, that it, this is the consequence of a depraved mind, and this is the judgment of God upon a nation. This is the judgment of God. And, and we, we're living in a very strange day, but church, don't give up hope. Church, don't give in. Don't, don't give, out, give up on what God is about. The attacks are going to come. They're going to be severe. There are some people predicting that in the future, and I'm sure they've been saying that for years, but there will be severe persecution for the church in America. There could be real, per if you really stand for Christ, 
If you really are living out the Christian life and really being obedient to the word of God, there can be. And I'm going to tell you, when persecution starts in America, that's going to separate the, the true from the false. That'll separate. There's a lot of people that are attracted to the bowling alleys and the coffee shops and the bookstores and all the social life. But when all of that is gone and there's real persecution for your faith and people are dying for their faith, it's going to separate. And it's real important. We need to understand whose church is this? I mean, not just, you know, I never will forget Anita Smith one time. She saw the sign they wrote here. She saw the signs. She said, well, if North Belt is God's church, then what is our church? It doesn't mean just North Belt is the only one that's God's church. But it's saying the church, those that name the name of Christ, those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he is the son of God. He was crucified for our sins. He was buried in the third day, raised to grand and glorious victory to give us eternal life in heaven you believe that with all your heart, then the church is God's church. And I would suggest if you're trying to get your hands on it, let your hands go. Because you have no business. You have no business trying. And I think, I think there are people that want to control. They enjoy controlling. But you need to let it go because it's God's. And I am standing here as confident as I know how to be that God, I don't believe God in the slightest is finished with North Belt Baptist Church. I'm more encouraged today than I've been in the last six or seven months. And I hope you'll stand with me. I hope you'll take this to heart. I hope you'll think, you know, it's God. He brings the increase. I plant, somebody else waters, but God gives the increase. It's up to him. My church membership is very serious to God. And when I leave, if I leave, I want to be able to face everybody and say, I believe God called me here and God has led me to serve in another place. Let's be united. Let's be joyful. Let's be thankful. Let's give God his rightful position. It will free you like jurisdiction will free you if you can understand it and, and appreciate it and live under those guidelines. If you can live under the idea that, look, God is the one responsible for the increase. And this idea, it's sad. I've said this for years. Churches are a lot like football teams. If you have a rough season, they fire you. Right? Isn't that what happened? If you have a rough season, they fire you. And that's the way churches have operated with their pastors. Oh, we have a rough time. It's got to be the pastor's fault. So we'll fire him. Listen, God is very capable of taking care of his anointed. Trust me. And it's important that we leave here today with our eyes and our hearts fixed on the word of God and on the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and that we do not waver, we do not give in to the attacks, the severe attacks that have come and will come. And by the way, this is my personal opinion also, 
We know there's a whisperer out there, and I've not called his name from the pulpit, but we know there's a whisperer, and I'm going to tell you from my experience, I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of a whisperer that's whispering against God's church. I wouldn't want to be in those shoes because I've seen what God is capable of doing, but every day without intervention is just another day of God showing mercy saying there's an opportunity for repentance here. There's an opportunity for change of heart here. And so let's let's leave this place today encouraged. Let's leave this place today with, with solitude, with gratefulness that we know this is God's church. I mean, think about it. Think about all the things God has done. And I see you here today, and I am so encouraged. Let's stand And we'll have a final word of prayer. And we'll trust God with the future. It's His church. He's the one that brings the increase. And we will see Him do mighty things in the future as He leads each one of us. Father in heaven, we thank you for the uh, opportunity to look into your word. Very simple, foundational truths. The fact that I will build my church. Lord, thank you that we can be released from the responsibility to feel like we've got to build a church. We've got to recruit. We've got to do all these things. It's up to you. My part is to be obedient to you. My part is to let you develop Christ's character in me. So I pray now that you would encourage our hearts, help us to respond in a proper way to you, and that we would leave here encouraged. We'd be thankful and grateful that you're the protector of the church. You're the provider of the church. You love your church. You're jealous of your church. I pray, Father, that you would continue to equip your church to do all the things that you've called us to do. We love you, Father. Thank you for loving us so much. And we pray for those that might be lost today that today would be the day of salvation for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.